I am Charlie Taylor. I'm in Carter, and he brought by the numbers on Twitter, easy pop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I'm Drew to the fifth element, highlight fifth element hip hop, which is knowledge. And we are about to put Ben's white person card on trial. It's Ding Digits. <laughs> You've just been served, by the way. Just um, that's that's the official. You've just been served. Why? Um, what have I done? You, and, and you will be in court in moments, depending on which one's your number one. Because I actually have no idea which one's in. <laughs> oh, between the two. Okay. <laughs> you, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> All right. Jesus. All right, so, so the intense start to the episode. Holy. No, Charlie, no intense, with the, no the slow reveal from Charlie. Ben, ben, believe it or not, we don't actually have race cards, and they're not real. They're just uh, constructs. Like racism is a construct, okay? So it's, don't worry, you're fine. You're okay. It's like it. It's yeah. all in the fun. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Uh, it is as by the time you're listening to this, it will be uh, what's that, the 2nd of January, 3rd of January, yeah. uh, depending on where you are. So yeah, uh, with that said, a happy new year to one and all. We are currently recording uh, the week before um, on Thursday the 28th slash Friday the 29th um, because like I said last episode, I am planning to get capital L lit <laughs> during <laughs> New Year's Eve. So I'm not trying to record on Sunday like <laughs> I actually do. So we are here doing it now, yeah. getting out of the way for you so you guys can have a pod to step to. So for those that are... Well, unaware, we always uh, start off, kick off the year uh, with one more look back at the year past uh, by doing a contemporary call. And in this case, it's the most extremely contemporary, as contemporary as we can possibly get, because we pick our top two albums of 2023. Um, Regardless of genre, um, we could stick it to hip-hop, but then again, that would be disingenuous, because... As you will gather, and if you've already read the show notes, none of these are hip-hop albums. Um, so, you know, just being honest on that front, these are our bona fide, bona fide uh, top two albums of the year, respectively. And, um, yeah, so, we obviously have no music to review. Well, actually, what I said, Ben, do you, have you listened to any new music recently? No, I haven't. In the past, in the past five days? No, I've just been chilling. <laughs> I've been doing my own thing. I, <laughs> yeah, just yeah, just been celebrating holidays. There we go. So we've been chilling. So um, yeah, so no music to uh, gas up. Um, I mean, Ninth Wonder did dro- drop a project on Christmas Day. If you guys want to go give that a spin, it's Ninth Wonder. Can't miss on that front. Um, but yeah, apart from that, not really much. And um, yeah, so with that said, we shall jump in to our top two albums. Uh, ben, do you want to begin? Let's start with Let's start with Lana, man. Let's just start with Lana Del Rey. That's okay. your number two. Yeah, that's my number two. Oh, yeah, your white card's gone. All right, carry on. Oh, no, <coughs> I'm not white anymore. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Carry on. 
Okay, so Lana Del Rey, did you know that there's a tunnel under Ocean Boulevard? Okay, so back, a bit of history about me and Lana Del Rey, or Lana Del Rey and I. I did not really like Lana when uh, she first came out with Born to Die in 2012. I thought that it was too grandiose for me. It was a little bit too intense, was a little bit too much. I didn't really understand it. So I just kind of tapped out. You know, I listened to the singles. I enjoyed and then around 2020, I think, yeah, it was 2020, it was in lockdown, right? So in Australia in lockdown, bro, we could not walk, well, in my area, you could not be five kilometers from your house. That's as far as you could go. You couldn't see friends, you couldn't do anything. You could barely even go to the shops for about six months. So all day, every day, I was just at home. So I decided to start listening to an album a day uh, outside in the sun, of an artist that you know i kind of want to check out that i've never checked out before so i started with chemtrails now if you've listened to this podcast you know that chemtrails is one of my most favorite albums ever like it just pulled me into this beautiful beautiful like sepia tinged world and kept me there for the entire time it was like one of the best first listen experiences i've ever had um you know not in a small part due to the fact that i was in a really bad headspace when that came on so over the next three years, I've just become obsessed with Lana Del Rey. You know, she was, I think she was number two on my Spotify rap this year, which five years ago would have been unheard of. So, you know, I've immersed myself in the the world of Lana Del Rey. And when uh, Tunnel Under Ocean Boulevard came out this year, um, I was, you know, a voracious consumer, obviously. I was like, man, I've got to listen to this album. This is really exciting. So I spun it the first time and it did not, I did not understand what was going on. Like I was sitting on a train in the way to the city and I was just like, bro, this is just a hulking, obscure mess. Like, it's all over the place. I don't know what's going on. It was it was, it was, was disconcerting because, you know, Blue Bannisters came out prior and I love that. And every Lana project I've really enjoyed. So I just, I left it for a couple of months and I'm like, look, I'll come back to it and see how it goes. So I came back to it. Um, and it wasn't one of those things that hit me quickly. Like, for example, my other album, we'll talk about that in a second, but like that one hit me hard immediately. And you know, a lot of albums are like that. Like James Blake's album from this year, right? I thought that was incredible on first listen. I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. But this album by Lana took a bit of time to settle in. And that's not, you know, I normally don't let albums even do that. But because it was Lana, I gave it the opportunity. So over the next few months, I listened to it more and more and it just kind of became part of the fabric of my life like I started listening to it almost every single day I listened to it to calm down I listened to it to soothe me I listened to it to feel something and the album just unfolded into this beautiful beautiful expression of everything that Lana is going through at the moment and everything that's going on in her life and the world in general um, and you know I made this point the other day in a YouTube video right I think that people struggled with this album a little bit because it's only got an 80 on Metacritic, right? And people aren't like saying this is, you know, this isn't Norman fucking Rockwell. This isn't Chemtrails. This isn't Born to Die. People aren't like, oh my God, this is incredible. This is amazing. And I think the reason for that is it's a very different Lana Del Rey album. So if we look at all her projects up until Blue Bannisters, they're all like self-contained. They're what's the best way to say they're, they're, they're concept albums essentially it's it's almost like lana has a theme and an idea and she's like all right let's just explore this idea in all the different ways we can okay so you know i think chemtrails to me was 
her looking back at the rest of her career and, and just like piecing it all together and saying, okay, this is all the things I'm, I've done. Let me just create the perfect expression of that, the perfect manifestation of that, and then move on. So we get blue banisters. Most people probably don't talk about blue banisters very much because it's, it's lower quality in comparison. And it kind of feels like demos. It almost feels like these were the tracks that got left on the cutting room floor after Chemtrails. But to me, it's a pivotal album and a pivot album for Lana because Chemtrails is obviously an incredibly tight concept but Bloom Banners this is not man it's all over the place it is complete fucking mess and I definitely think that we needed to get Blue Banisters to get Tunnel Under Ocean Boulevard so this album you know someone said to me the other day right when I put it on my top list they were like this is a complete mess there's two interludes in here that should not be in here at all um, and you know when you listen to it on vinyl yes okay yes they're really fucking annoying because you've got to get up you've got to pick the needle up you've got to so I just listen to it anyway but the, the, the they're, they're unnecessary and a lot of people in reviews were trying to figure out why the fuck she put them on there and I think that that's been the joy for me in the middle period of listening to this album, trying to figure out why certain things are where, why she's put this here, why? Because I, I don't think Lana just does shit. You know, I think she does shit for a reason. I do think that she, um, you know, there's, there's a story that she's trying to tell and these interludes are part of that, but I never figured it out. So I just gave up. Like I genuinely can't sit here and tell you I know why the interludes are there. So someone said, you know, that those are a miss. You know, there's a couple of tracks, like they said, Sweet isn't a very good song. Um, and basically like this song, this album's too long there's too many tracks you know there's a couple of misses but to me that's the beauty of the album because this is finally a pop star and Lana is a pop star don't get it wrong like man she made Born to Die like this is a pop artist she's just fully expressing herself going wherever the fuck she wants I mean there's Tom Tommy Genesis is on it which is crazy so as I listen to the album more and more I really started to connect with Lana's messaging on these songs. Like the Grants is a beautiful, beautiful opening track. It really is a stunning song. Um, you know, it's just this, I feel like, you know, she, how old is Lana now? Like she's got to be what, late thirties is she now? Let me just double check that because I think that that's a really important part. 38. Okay. So to me, maybe this is why I connect with the album so well. This felt like a mid thirties album. This feels like one of those albums where, you know, as people say in your twenties, you're trying to figure shit out. You're making a lot of mistakes. You're discovering who you are. Then you get into your thirties and you kind of know who you are and you kind of know what you're looking for in the world, where you want to go, what your goals are, what your values are. And in this album, I really do feel like Lana's just frustrated. She's like, you know, I'm a beautiful person. I'm a great person. I feel like I'm a good person, but great things aren't happening to me in the realm that I want them to happen to me. You know, there's a lot of talk about having children on this album. There's a lot of uh, introspection about that and worrying why it hasn't happened for her or when it's going to happen and how she's going to handle it when it does happen. You know, there's a lot of anxiety and frustration and irritability. You know, the Grants, as I said, I'm going to go through the track list. Beautiful, beautiful opening. That song makes me cry all the time. Like, she's talking about the people that she's collected in her life. And I know that sounds a bit weird. I don't mean collected, but like the people that she's surrounded herself with. And I do feel that way. Again, you know, it's very personal. When you get into your 30s, at least in my experience, the people around me I have like carefully, carefully selected. Do you know what I mean? I've gotten rid of so many people because I'm just like, no, 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 no. And the grants feels like, yeah, I'll cry if I talk about it. You know, it's just so beautiful. She's like, when I pass, you know, these are the things I'm going to take with me. These are the memories. These are the, it's just, it's a stunning opener. And then the second track, 
Okay, this is how I felt about this song. The whole concept to me is that there's this beautiful, beautiful thing that everyone is just existing around. You know, the hustle and bustle of daily life. Everyone's just focused. I've got to get to work, got to make this money, got to buy this new car, got to take care of my kid, got to do this, 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 this. No one's stopping to appreciate this one thing that's underneath them the whole time. And I feel like that's how Lana feels. You know, she feels like internally she's you know, quite a expressive, whatever, like incredible person. And maybe she feels like people aren't understanding that, aren't recognizing that, aren't like, do you know what I mean? And to me, I kind of feel a little bit that way too sometimes. It's just like, I feel like I'm a decent person and I feel like people maybe don't recognize that all the time. And it's, it's a bit disheartening. It's a bit upsetting sometimes. And when someone does come along and realize that and say, you know, I see you for who you are, I think that's beautiful. I really do. So I, I think that that kind of underpins the album, and I think it's a great second song to put in there. Uh, a sweet, you know, I like sweet a lot. A and W, obviously, an incredible track. Like really, really great track. I think that was one of the singles. Yeah, it was a single. It might have even been the first single. And you know, when that first came out, and again. I think this with a lot of uh, Lana projects, like I don't really listen to the singles when they come out because I'm like, look, I've got no idea what's going to happen here. I really just want to hear it in the context of the album. And, you know, when you listen to it in the context of the album, bro, it, it fits. It really does, you know. And I think, again, this is Lana touching back on, you know, previous sounds that she's gone through. Like, uh, what was that record, Honeymoon, with the one with all the rappers on it? ASAP Rocky was on there a couple of times. Um, you know, I felt like she was tapping back into that. And obviously, Tommy Genesis is later in the album. So, I, you know, I think that that was uh, kind of a touch point there. Candy Necklace, beautiful song. Um, kin kintsugi? Kintsugi? Kintsugi. I don't know how to say that word exactly. But beautiful. Kintsugi. Kintsugi. Beautiful song. Fingertips, beautiful song. The... <laughs> The first track that when I first looked at the album, I was like, grandfather, please stand on the shoulders of my father while he's deep sea fishing. And I was like, that is such a fucking post-rock title. You know, it's post-rock, if you've listened to much post-rock and you've seen the, the titles, you know, there's no lyrics. So a lot of the time they're trying to express something through the song title. So you kind of know what the vibe of the song is. When I saw that, I'm like, wait, what? Like, what the fuck does that even mean? I think this is one of the best Lana songs of all time. It is... The way that the crescendo just comes and mixes with her vocals, which are just hitting the fucking stratosphere. So, so beautiful. And then it's almost like it just crashes into Let the Light In, which then has its own crescendo at the end, which is absolutely fucking stunning. And then, you know, I I enjoy the rest of Margaret, Fishtail, Peppers with Tommy Genesis is a banger. And then Taco Truck into VB, bro. Like, the way that she finished the entire album with a throwback to Venice Bitch, which is my, I believe, her best song of all time. Like, that's my favorite Lana song. It's just, it's such a journey, this record. It really is, and it's absolutely stunning. And as I said, you know, I really appreciate it. And, you know, the other day, like, this is completely separate, but, like, the other day, I think it was... um that Kanye song that he said something horrible in and I just like retweeted someone saying the lyrics and I was like 46 years old by the way and I did it with Drake the other day like Drake's 37 no 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 it's fine it's funny but it's true okay this is why people okay if, you, if you're confused as to why I don't like Drake and people my age don't like Drake it's because he's not speaking to us he's speaking to 15 to 19 year old boys that's all he's speaking to, bro. He's not speaking to anyone over the age of 20 because if you're enjoying Drake and you're over the age of 20, I'm sorry, but you're an idiot and you need to grow up and you need to learn. 
with Lana, this is the kind of music I connect to because she's speaking from a mid-30s place and you've got to respect that from a pop artist because this isn't, you know, I don't even know if it went number one. Again, who the fuck cares what it does? Like in the United States, number three, 115K, which is, you know, this is Lana Del Rey. This is one of the biggest pop artists of all time. That's what I respect the most about this record. She did not give a fuck about charts, about singles, about anything like that. And, you know, that's a rarity in, in modern music. Everyone wants to get their streams up. They want to get their streams off. They want to get all their tracks on playlists and they want to get their monthly listeners up, et cetera, et cetera. This album is just it's a mid-30s album, and as someone in their mid-30s approaching 40, I fucking appreciate this record. I had to buy it on vinyl. I think it's the only 2023 record I actually have on vinyl thus far. Uh, totally fucking necessary. I adore it. Um, yeah, man, it took me to a whole other place this year. It's a beautiful record. Well, I'm glad I got um, some a reasonable amount of context um, from that, because unlike uh, uh, on the complete other spectrum i've never spun a lana del rey anything (laughs) until until this week um so you know a lot of it has just been extremely fresh um had no idea what i was getting into um you know i could have easily just gone by you know whatever however social media talk about her or whatever i could have done that but you know there's kind of no point obviously um, so I'm glad you gave the context in terms of, you know, your personal relationship with it, with the music and, and also the album itself. Um, I too don't know what the interludes were saying. The first one kind of sounded like it was in a mega church and it just put me off cause just that entire concept really makes me uncomfortable. Um, and while I like John Baptiste, um, just, t- I mean, the, the, the sounds of him and her just like vibing in a studio while it's cool in the sense of like I'd like to be in that room because John Batiste seems like a cool dude um I yeah just no idea why that's in the album um for the remainder of it I think overall for me it felt like it felt like a movie in three parts um I think there was some delineations and maybe that was i believe maybe why the interludes are there that doesn't really make sense because they're so close to each other but i don't know there's some there's there's a there's a structure here i feel um that can be passed i believe if i you know put some effort into it, i could probably pass it but just off the face of it i felt like there was something to that um you know, uh, it's a place of uh, uh, songs I actually enjoyed genuinely. Um, title track, uh, Sweet, I did enjoy. Um, I liked Katie Necklace as well. It's kind of cool. Kintsugi and Fingertips were definitely the top two for me. Just them two tracks back to back was just really, really good. And there was a lot of there was a lot of songs here where it just kind of felt like it should have been in like a. Um, kind of a movie to be honest if it, it felt like movie scoring um for a lot of the time in terms of production it, it really gave off that vibe and i'm here for that it's cool um while i haven't obviously listened to any of her other work it does feel like there's a maturity here um and i would be completely honest i'm genuinely surprised that this actually did reasonably well um this doesn't seem like an album that uh it doesn't seem like an album that is going for the charts you know what i'm saying like we 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 hear those albums a lot 
and it's just so blatantly obvious of just oh great yeah that's that's there you go that's the chime song that's the one that's trying to chart you know um Dave, Dave and Central Sea Sprinter, for example, is just like, oh, okay, that's the one that's supposed to chart, right? It's just so, it's easy to clock. It's easy to clock. Um, so, I couldn't tell you, if, if you didn't tell me what the singles were, I wouldn't know what the singles were, to be completely honest. Because um, a lot of these tracks are very indulgent. Um, this whole album's, what, 77 minutes? Um, that's not, that's not pop. <laughs> that's not edible. Um, that's, that's not, that's, that's far from it. Um, so, you know, having that structure already kind of makes me more comfortable because it doesn't give off the essence of it trying to be a pop album. And I don't really think it sounds like a pop album um, by any means. Um, while I'm not invested in pop music for for reasons that I'm, of what Mickey called me today, perfectly alt, uh, which I'm going to put on my fucking tombstone because that's a great, uh, that's a great moniker. Uh, but yeah, you know, I'm I'm not, I'm not privy to that kind of stuff. I don't know what makes a pop hit. I don't know none of that. I don't really care. Um, but yeah, you know, it is what it is. So I, but I don't see this as in what my imaginations of what pop is. I don't see this as a pop album. Um, it really, it, set, it sets the tone uh, for how I believe people like Ben would listen. Um, I can, I can see this. I, I see this and I'm just like, oh yeah, I see why Ben likes this. Um, I see this and I'm like, oh, I get why white women like this woman. Um, it's 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 there, it's there, and that's fine. Uh, we, you know, everyone's got to have their everyone's got everyone's got to have their music. Um, not everything's got to appeal to me, but um, yeah, you know. With that said, I feel like this album is very cool for me to have in the background. Um, I will admit I didn't listen to the lyrics as hard as I probably should have considering what you were talking about in terms of subject matter and the depth of that of these of this subject matter um I didn't really get much of that but that was probably a me problem more than anything but honestly I just kind of enjoyed the vibe for what it was um I kind of just got lost in it and definitely after like fingertips I kind of just zoned out and was enjoying the ride if anything um I just stopped kind of listening actively and kind of just, yeah, just kind of just sat there, to be honest. Um, you know, the features were fine for me. And uh, I, I appreciated the fact that she kind of started off the album with just her and then brought some features in, just sprinkled them in as, as it went. Um, I think it was, what, about, yes, yeah, five tracks, yeah, five tracks in, and it's just all her at that point. And I feel like that was a really good just... Um, that that was just a really good uh uh plus point in terms of sequencing. I feel like that was really good. Um I do not, however, like peppers. Um I that that put me right off uh, the whole vibe. I was like, why am I hearing a hip hop beat all of a sudden? Um that just threw me the fuck off, <laughs> to be completely honest. Um so while the finish didn't land quite for me, um kind of a bumpy bumpy landing, um in flight smooth as hell smooth as hell um i can't i can't hype kintsugi and uh, fingertips more um that shit just both of them tracks just really felt like a mo movie soundtracks and just you know beautiful original scores of just i don't know two people walking somewhere um just one of those montages that you see of them just looking at each other uh as they're riding the train or something just shit like that that kind of vibe um so i'm definitely here for that do you know what kintsugi is by the way 
Uh, yeah, it's in it the um, the Japanese thing where something breaks and you redo it. Yeah, what's stronger? Yeah. Yes, and uh, they 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 re they reassemble it um, with gold, and that's why you see those broken bowls with gold stuck to stuck to it, and that's what it looks like. That's Kintsugi art, basically, or Kintsugi whatever. Um, but yeah, um, I was just asking that for general because I learned that literally this year. <laughs> I was like, that's that's mm-hmm. kind of cool. I want one. Um, but yeah, man, yeah, it's a good pick. Honestly, I feel I get what you I get what you mean in terms of the feeling of it. I can't obviously quite. Um, connect to the long term uh the long term interest you've had um but i can see on the face and especially listening to the album it does feel like there's a a real maturation process going on and i'm um, i'm always here for that um you know having having pop, it's, it must be weird being a pop artist sometimes of like you know you start off doing the pop shit and then you're 30, and then you're just like, okay, well, what now? Am I still going to do, you know, just this, you know, whatever pop is at that point in time? Um, and that's the question they have to ask themselves. And I feel like Lana said no at some point. Um, it makes sense looking at her background. Um, I read her bio briefly while listening, and it makes a lot of sense uh, how she made it to this point. Um, but yeah, man, it's a solid album. It's a solid album. Um, uh, as, a, as, a, as a first, uh, probably not the gateway album for, uh, to for any Lana Del Rey anything. But um, you know, just jump to jump right into it. It was kind of, it was it was an interesting, um, very mellow and very uh, a very introspective uh, piece of work. So yeah, yeah, it's interesting because I I, ha- I put a lot of pressure on myself when I first listened to this album. I didn't listen to it the way you did. I was like, oh, I've got to read the lyrics while I do it because I've got to understand exactly what's going on and all the themes and I've got to get my head around it. So the first like three listens, I was just like, oh, bro, this is just terrible. I'm not getting this. It's not making sense. And then when I just sat with it and let the music wash over me, it is, man. And I, I listen to it in all different settings. Like I might be playing FIFA and just listening to it and in the background, or I might be walking around the city and like really want to feel shit. So I put it on and listen to it. So Man, shout out Lana Del Rey. Like, I'm just, yeah, I, I really respect it when pop artists just create something. Because as Charlie said, it is not the right place. If you want to get into Lana Del Rey, I don't know if we, what's an example of an album that it is like in hip hop? Because it's just like one of those records where, I don't know, she's just like gone completely in a different direction. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I have to think about that. But yeah, man, shout out Lana Del Rey. Much, much appreciated. Much appreciated this album. Okay, jumping into my number two, um, which is a, don't know how you want to call it, I guess a uh, inherently jazz, but there's so much more to it than just saying jazz, um, which I'll elucidate on hopefully. So my number two is Brandy Younger, uh, with two E's, uh, called Brand New Life, um, and I'm happy I could tell a story on this one, because the, the album itself is top tier as it is and i'll get into that obviously but it's the context and the storyline behind it i feel that just had to put it for me personally at number two um or it may have been number two regardless who knows but anyway um so yeah we have to go way back so we are going to february 1968 um a woman called dorothy ashby just dropped what will be considered one of the greatest uses of the harp in modern music 
it was classed jazz funk record, beholds the tumult elements from the jazz world and even the world of soul. But I hear you say, Charlie, who is Dorothy Ashby? I asked that question when I looked up this album after listening to it. I was just, uh, you know, I just looked it up in general and I saw this name and I was intrigued. I was wondering what was going on. So, yes, I asked this question earlier in the year to myself. So it's all good. Um, that's the irony of it, I guess. Uh, so Dorothy Ashby, um, singer, composer, and in this case, most importantly, a jazz harpist. Um it could be said that we can call her the jazz harpist. Um, her work spanned over 30 years, um, and she wasn't hailed in the way she is now. Uh, to quote her on her battles uh, she faced, um, it's a quote by her, quote, uh, it's been maybe a triple burden in that not a lot of women are becoming known as jazz players. There is also a connection, the connection with black women. The audiences I was trying to reach were not interested in the harp period, classical or otherwise. And they were certainly not interested in seeing a black woman playing the harp, unquote. She died in 1986. Um, I think it was due to cancer. And it seemed that the trail she blazed wasn't seen by anyone, as I'm sure there's a ton of people um, over history that are just lost to the sands of time, right? Now, while we can thank hip-hop, obviously, for a little of the occasional sampling of her work, for the likes of Pete Rock, Jurassic 5 actually did it as well, um, shout out to them. Brandy Younger went ahead and created a work that's beautiful regardless of the context I just gave you. Um, Brandy Younger herself is an African-American harpist. Uh, the harpista, she calls herself on socials, uh, creating an album based on the writing and compositions of what I would fundamentally call her musical mother. Um, I dare you to find an album with that much weight, <laughs> with that much historical weight. Um, I've been listening to Brandy Younger for a few years. Um, I remember listening to Soul Awakening. Um, she had a project with Desmond Douglas during the COVID era that was kind of interesting. <laughs> Um, very uh, very rudimentary and you kind of just you, you, when you're listening to that one in particular it felt like you were in the room and they just put a mic in the in the middle and they just had all the instruments around it, it just uh it felt omnidirectional it was kind of interesting experience um and it was kind of a live recording quote unquote right so i listened to her a few years and every time i see her name on someone else's records i personally get excited um i genuinely enjoy the harp and she plays it to a, a dreamy effect you know no pun intended right um even when i went to see the salt show i was just like oh like oh harps yay <laughs> just randomly got guessed obviously a couple of harps it's, uh, it's, a, it's a fascinating instrument um so yes brand new life aptly named is exactly that. It brings in some of my favourite names in music, including Makai McRaven, who produced the majority of this album, uh, Mumu Fresh, who we know, uh, Michelle Indeggio Cello, Ninth Wonder, and the aforementioned Pete Rock. Um, this album is not just reaching back, but is also tipping a hat to hip-hop. Um, so you can understand why I would love this album so much, the storytelling, the homages, the music itself, uh, all the blendings of the world. Um, hopefully, I can imagine that you know uh, Dorothy Ashby would be pretty proud to see to see this even come about. Um, going to the album itself and uh, you know tracks that I rate, apart from you know all of it, um, I do appreciate the fact that her um, some of these some of these uh, songs just are 
straight up just her on the harp, right? And there are also stuff that you know other stuff happens. Obviously, Moon Me Fresh on the um, on the um, on the title track is just sublime. Uh, Moon Me Fresh is one of my favorite just dual threats. She can sing like nobody else. She can rap like nobody else, um, and she's top tier in both of them. Um, and Brand New Life really gives you an insight into how good she is at singing. Um, her vocals on there is just absolutely crazy. Um, living and loving in my own way, bang a track, a little bit of Pete Rock beat, so on that one as well. And I, I just don't, you don't hear this stuff. You don't hear this. You don't hear a Ninth Wonder beat, um, and Brandy Younger on a harp. You just don't. This, this is so unique to me. Um, it, it's such a, it's such a horizon broadener listening to this album because you, she, I, honestly, Brandy Young is really bringing the harp to a, a different space, um, or a space that Dorothy Ashby attempted to bring, um, to, you know, some middling effects. And, you know, with that said, Dorothy Ashby really w worked with a lot of solid people, um, Stevie Wonder, Quincy Jones, I think as well. So, you know, she was no slouch and she was in, uh, she was in the rooms of, you know, some important uh, people that we know of. Um, but her personal music just didn't really hit um, for the, re for you know, partly because the quote she gave as well, that triple burden. Um, but yeah, Brandy Younger really brings this stuff back to life, as I said, that is so aptly named, <laughs> just the, uh, the name of the album. Um, but yeah, Running Games, a beautiful track, um, Shell and Deggio Cello and Dust is amazing, the aforementioned Knife Wonder, like I said, on Windmills of, windmills of Your Mind, is just, as you can imagine, it's just a Knife Wonder beat, but Brandy Younger's just doing the harp stuff, and it's just, it's just it, go, it goes so hard. And then the last track, If It's Magic, as well. Um, you know, this is 10 tracks, this is only 37 minutes, it's so edible, um, it's it's really just absolutely it's not it's like nothing I've listened to this year um and probably might not be for a while I, I don't see albums like that you don't see albums like this come um every year um it's just really a I believe a once in a blue moon kind of record um just purely off the back of Brandy Younger being these being the main artist here and it being a harp centered album when do you hear a harp centered album uh, it's, it's it's a rarity in itself and to also have these you know uh, have these other artists these you know poets like Michelle and Dejicello these legendary producers hip-hop producers like Pete Rock and Ninth Wonder and also just one of the most amazing talents in recent memory Moomoo Fresh is just it's just a masterstroke bro I can't I can't I can't hype this album enough it's it really is once a blue moon to me yeah it's a beautiful record man it really is um I'm yeah I, I wish I'd known this album existed before last week because I'm a massive massive harp fan so I had a friend a few years ago who was a harpist and I got completely taken by the instrument because it is absolutely stunning and like you know I would drive my friend around to gigs and like you know help them pack up afterwards and just watch them and be in the room while they were creating music and it was really stunning because it's just like when you actually see it up close and see how incredibly difficult it is to play well, it's confronting. It is not getting up there and playing a, a C on a guitar. This shit is mad hard to do, okay? You can't just like, you got to have a good understanding of the basics and understanding of like, it's a completely different way to use your body when you're playing an instrument. Like it's very all body. It's just everywhere. It, it's quite intense. There's so many strings. Like it's a very it's a technical thing but it's also if you're going to do it 
um, and create music out of it, it's very difficult to be creative in that space because it is so technical. So you have to have a, a huge level of technical understanding of it before you can actually start creating. Um, you know, for example, Mary Lattimore is one of my favorite harpists of all time. She's in her, I think she's in her 40s now and incredible, incredible musician. And, you know, I've been looking for harp music for a long time. It's just not that common, you know, not that common in the mainstream and it's not that common done well let's put it that way this album is done so well and you know what the harp is certainly the the you know the primary instrument but when charlie sent me these two albums to listen to i had no idea what kind of music it was so i didn't do any research beforehand i just put the album on and i was like oh charlie's put a, a bit of a jazz record on here this is interesting and it wasn't until i did some research and realized that she was a harpist and i was like oh shit okay so i started listening for the harp and listening you know, to how the album uh, transpired across it. So, so beautiful. And it's really interesting about that, um, you know, the story and the the links to um, Ashby, who I'd never heard of before, uh, like literally, and I feel a bit, you know, <laughs> I feel like I probably should have at some point. Like Dorothy Ashby sounds like an incredibly pivotal person in terms of the progression of jazz music. Um, and, you know, as Charlie said, like uh, Brenny Younger's, working with Beyonce, Lauren Hill, uh, John Legend, like worked with some fucking legends. And that's the kind of thing with uh, session musicians. It's really interesting to me. I, I feel like someone should do a, a review of just like, I'm not saying session musician in a derogatory way. I just mean someone who plays, you know, instruments on other people's albums. I'd be very curious if someone like wrote down like a bunch of those artists and like kind of ranked their albums because I always find it really fascinating to hear those musicians creating solo work uh, to see if they're very similar to the artists they're working with or like, and then listening to those songs that they're working on and they're playing on and just hearing them and hearing their individual sounds in like huge pop songs is really incredible. But you know, if I go back to this record, it is stunning. The Pete Rock thing was really interesting. Like it's interesting there's these like contemporary touch points where we're like, oh yeah, I know what's going on here. It's not just a completely like self-contained piece of music. Um, and you know, there are little bits of vocals in here as well, which is incredibly, uh, it's, it's interesting. I didn't expect it. Um, and that's kind of where I thought at the, the start of the album, I'm like, oh, it's going in a bit of an R&B direction, a bit of like singing over harp music, but it's not that at all. It's just, it's, it's a very chill, very calm record. Um, you can absolutely put it on in the background and just do you know, I was I was literally working out while I was listening to it the first time, and it was just a nice, warm vibe. I'm house sitting at the moment, so I'm in like this big house with these huge ceilings, like it's huge, and so the the music just filled the house. It felt like I was in a cathedral. It was absolutely fucking stunning. So even if you're a little bit turned off, you know, for example, people with flute, right? Everyone's like, I'm not listening to that because it's a flute album, bro. It's not some one just playing the flute over and over again they're not playing green sleeves over and over again okay just fucking relax <laughs> if you're a little bit turned off by the fact that it's a harp album it's okay it, you'll be okay just put it on brandy young is a musician she knows how to make music that people want to listen to give it an opportunity and i, I really do think that this album is something i'm going to be listening to well into 2024 because it's just a nice calm warm vibe and there's so so much history behind it that i didn't even know until charlie started talking like that's the thing like i had no concept of the story behind it i just listened to the album but now that i understand the story behind it that's going to give it a whole new dimension so man this this would have been in my top 10 i reckon if i'd known about it earlier because it's just it is a stunning fucking album beautiful yeah well 
moving swiftly on to <laughs> an album I can't say I'll be listening to <laughs> next year. Well, Charlie had to listen to Yaddy. You are on trial, Geese. You need to explain to me why this is your number one album. I'm genuinely curious. I need to know. <laughs> Charlie is perplexed. All right. You know what the first oh, thing I wrote days. down? The first thing I wrote down oh. about this album is it feels like Yachty is loathed and loved in equal measures. And right now, Charlie's going to loathe him and I'm going to love him and it's going to be equal. It's fucking... And, you know, the thing about Yachty is I genuinely think he courts both sides, especially in 2023. I think that he says wild shit. He does wild shit. He puts out interesting things. You know, a couple of very incendiary quotes have come out about Yachty this year. In November, he said hip-hop is in a terrible place. The state of hip-hop right now is a lot of imitation. It's a lot of quick, low-quality music being put out. Don't remind me. I mean, that's the truth in the mainstream, though. That's a hundred percent the truth, bro. It's not in the underground. But if we're talking, maybe go back. If we're talking about the mainstream, then yes, it is. It is in a bad place because it's just a lot of imitation. But again, that's normal. That's normal for pop music. So that was a silly quote. Like it's always going to be that way. Um, He's balanced that out with some of the most joyful moments of the last eighteen months, like the Poland memes, for example. That was a lot of fun. So I do feel like Yodi lives a bit for the duality of his fan base. It feels to me like Twitter is literally struck down the middle with. Yachty, you know, there's only a few who choose to abstain from his music to be truly neutral, but you know, you can't really be ambivalent to Yachty. There's no one who's just like, I don't have an opinion on Yachty. I don't care about Yachty. I'm not interested in Yachty. Everyone has a theory on him and, a, and they, they have a way they feel. And I say all that to say, this album to me makes perfect sense within that narrative. It may make absolutely no sense for Lil Yachty to randomly switch genres to psych rock and drop the album of the year ahead of everyone else because that's fucking absurd. But thinking about it in the context of Yachty's love for risk-taking, I think Let's Start Here makes perfect sense. It's an album that challenges conventions because it isn't a hip-hop album in any way, yet it's obviously been designated as such by... Uh, reputable sources, Pitchfork calling a flute album rap album of the year, Um, you know, Yachty getting off a psych rock album and people actually saying, yeah, this is a psych rock album. We're a long way away from that. And I guess the only truly shocking part about this album for me was the narrative structure because, you know, we can't be sure who did what in the studio and the production team was really quite powerful. So Jacob Portrait founded Unknown Mortal Orchestra, probably the pinnacle of modern psych rock along with Team Impala. In fact, I would say that Unknown Mortal Orchestra is probably didn't touch above. Jam City, UK producer who's worked with a lot of UK artists. Uh, Justin Raisin, who's worked with Charlie XCX and Sky Ferreira. Um, Magdalena Bay, an American synth pop duo, and Patrick Wimberly, who is actually in Chairlift, which is an incredible pop group. So Yodi got the right people alongside him in this. And I do feel like if I listen through the album with the production's credits next to me, I could probably figure out who contributed what because it does feel like Yachty created his own band for this album and assigned different songwriting and performing roles to each of his group members. Uh, you know, he was always going to be the front man. And again, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. If we're talking about a psych rock album, okay, a lot of people are going back and... No, 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 don't look at me like that. How many people are in Pink Floyd, Charlie? <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. You caught my face. Oh, that's so funny. How many people are in Pink Floyd there, Charlie? How many people? Was it just uh, one? Was it just one? <laughs> it's more than one. Yes. There was. It's definitely more so than one. So it is okay for Yachty to collate a band and position himself as a front man and say to them, this is the kind of album I want. You guys are very good at this. Let's fucking create it. There is nothing wrong that's with that whatsoever. Funny. I mean, it's like Nas hopping in with Hip Boy. Hip Boy knows how to produce. Nas doesn't. 
So he's like, hey, this is the kind of aesthetic I want. Let's work. So Hitboy creates it. There's nothing. If anyone criticizes Yachty for bringing on producers who know what the fuck they're doing, that's ridiculous. Like, I'm not. I'm not here for that. So. You know, he he does have production credit on two songs. I thought it'd be more because he did have production credit on the Drake album. Um, but Yachty chose to put it out. And in terms of experimental psych rock albums from a rapper who has never been in this genre before, it is really freaking good. The opening track is a complete fucking monster. It's a huge hulking expanse of psych rock with Yachty whisper singing his vocals and riding the production incredible. And then into the ride which I think, you know, it showcases something I love about this album. And just in general, when artists do it, the lyrics at times on this record are incredibly dark, really dark, but the music is really bright. And I've always been a sucker for that, you know, bright music with dark lyrics, because I really love the idiots who are just like swept up in the positivity and they put it on all the happy playlists. And there's someone in the background saying, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be alive anymore. This, this, I hate life. And that's kind of what this album is a little bit. There's a, there's a little bit of that darkness coming through. And I really appreciate it from Yachty. Um, but, you know, if you completely ignore the lyrics, you can get swept up in the emotion of it and the positive emotion and the rising synths and everything, man. And there's introspection all over this record. Some of Yachty's insights are profound and some are excruciating. The... the um, the interlude where he's talking failure that is an excruciating song that is a horrible song i don't care about yachty's views on failure and it's just like it you know what it felt like to me i don't know if people remember this it felt like um that interlude on the love below where three stacks is talking about god being a woman and just talking about um and i felt like yachty was trying to channel that a little bit but he just i don't know man he just went off piste and it it, it didn't really work for me um but yeah man like the fact that he even has a process at the age of 26 like because he's clearly processing things on this record right he's a young young person like but we're talking about musicians we're talking about pop artists bro we're not talking about regular people we're talking about pop artists we're talking about people in the same lane as uzi as travis as drake where where are we getting they got not got a process there's no introspection there's no analytical lyrics like that's what i'm saying people think of yachty as an idiot they think of him as someone who just makes crappy mumble rap who just makes meme rap who says dumb shit and then they don't listen to this album they're like, i'm not gonna listen to that it's like okay well it's gonna challenge how you feel about yachty entirely you're gonna listen to this album you're gonna hear a 26 year old thinking about his place in the world talking through his own emotions talking through his own experiences and you're going to hear him doing it in an incredibly respectful way to psych rock you know when the the album came out i tweeted that um uh i forget what song it was but i'm like this definitely samples great gig in the sky by pink floyd yachty dm'd me after i tweeted that and said no it's actually this song this is the one that samples that this song was inspired by he has a fucking process bro he started to explain to me where the samples were coming from what was inspiring him and that's like and in terms of a psych rock album, as someone who grew up on psych rock, I've been trying to tell people this all fucking year, and it's, I'm starting to get angry because the reaction to this album has been stupid. It has been absolutely fucking dumb. It has been a bunch of dumbass 15-year-old rap dipshits who are like, Why is he, why is he not rapping? Why is he not rapping? I'm not going to listen to it <laughs> unless he raps. It's like, okay, maybe just broaden your fucking horizons for a little bit. So then they say to me, no, you're just, you just like that album because you're getting paid to tweet about it. So then I started like tweeting out pictures of all the psych rock albums I have on vinyl. By the way, that might be the case for some people. So, What's that? That people might be paid to 
do oh that. yeah that's 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 a hundred percent the case like there's not might be the case that is the fucking case for the majority of shit you see on twitter if you're seeing shit on twitter like if you're seeing all this doja cat praise or rod wade rave praise that's being paid for guys i'm sorry to say is absolutely being paid for i don't personally get paid to tweet so you can you don't need to worry about that none of my tweets are paid for I like what I like. And as I said, people were rinsing me and saying, you don't really like this album, it's psych rock. And I'm like, okay, here's all the 50,000 psych rock records I have. I've been listening to it since I was fucking eight years old. This is an incredibly fucking good psych rock album. It is beautiful. It is a whole fucking journey. It goes up, it goes down. Yachty is just like... His, some of his vocals are horrible on here. He cannot fucking sing. But, like, for some reason, it just works. Like, I don't know why. I just get swept up in the emotion of it every time. And this was one of the best first listens I've ever had in my entire life. I had no idea what to expect. Um, you know, the transitions are incredible. The way the album ebbs and flows. The warm energy. And then it, like, hits. It just keeps hitting. Uh, I'm just going to get the track list up. Because it just keeps hitting new peaks, man. When you get to... um. I've officially lost vision. I've officially lost vision. Like, come on. Who doesn't like that song? Bro. Nah, this is a brilliant fucking album. This is a great... And I fully, fully respect Lil Yachty for doing this because this was a left fucking turn. He was going to get rinsed for it, and he did. And this is the best album of the year by a long fucking way. Shout out, Yachty, man. (coughs) Charlie, you're up. I'm 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 just I'm I'm kind of just letting that defence wash o- wash over me because I, I ladies and gentlemen if if you never understood the complexities of a human being just have Ben talk about this album because I I have no idea how he got to this is my favourite album of the year I'll give you the I'll give you the the psych rock uh, uh, statement because I generally was going to ask like. I know you listen to this shit. How do you see it, like, as a psych rock album? And the fact that you enjoy it as for what it is, fine. I'm not. I'm gonna leave that alone because I I was genuinely curious on that front. Um, what I'm not understanding here is that you're fully understanding that his singing fucking sucks on here, and you still rate it, bro. Do you know how many people can't sing? Are you kidding? No one can fucking sing. Okay. No one can and sing. My favourite my favorite band of all time is Placebo. Brian Molko can't sing. He's never been able to sing. Like, what, you oh, think Lou Reed no. can sing? Do you think that um, Brandon Flowers of Killers can sing? They can't sing. No one can sing. No one needs that. You don't need to be able to sing. Okay, that has never been a prerequisite to be successful in a rock band. Even as a pop artist, I saw uh, Katy Perry live. The worst singer I've ever heard live in my entire life. Shit, Can't Katie, hold Katie Perry a fucking, fucking tune to save her life. Have Katy Perry you know, the bingo for the this thing, episode. The thing oh. about this kind of stuff is, right, when you actually see a rock musician <laughs> or a pop Perry, musician fuck. who can sing, like Lady Gaga, for example, that's the anomaly, sure. bro. Lady Gaga can okay. fucking sing. Yeah, yeah. Christina Aguilera can sing. Uh, who else can sing not many of them (laughs) they can't sing you don't need to be able to sing yeah sure you don't it's it's, it's chill you don't need to be able J.I.D. can't sing and we like the forever story don't we 
Uh, there you go. Ben, Ben, don't do that. Don't do that. No, 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 he ain't actually no. That's not the whole purpose of this album, bro. I know. Come on, I'm just Come on, bro. You, bro. I'm just this is the you. mo of the of the Miles album. I told you I'm not calling him by his name because a I, it don't sound good in my British voice Yay. and b go fuck himself. Anyway, um, JID ain't making that album in order to sing. Okay, this is an album purely built off the inspirations that Miles has gotten recently. Fine, I'm cool with that. I'm. You know, just to, to take the risk, I'm accepting that. That's fine by me. I'm always down for an artist to just do what the fuck they want. They make music for themselves. That's what everyone should do when it comes to art, regardless of anything. Music, film, uh, writing, uh, sculpting, shit, painting, whatever, right? Uh, whatever you consider consider as an art form, do what you like. Do what makes you happy, okay? Don't do it. Uh, because you know people like it now, or, or because this this pattern of uh, this pattern of singing is the hot shit. Don't do it because of that. Don't do it because of trends, because that will immediately age like fucking milk, right? Psychrock lives. Psychrock is a historical element at this point where people fucking love it, and when you're high as shit, it fucking hits. Go see Due Date with Robert Downey Jr. and Zach Galifianakis and listen to that Pink Floyd song exactly in the way they did it. It fucking slaps, okay? Um, no matter how he tried, he could not break free. It's bang- it bangs, it bangs, okay? This album, however, okay? I'm not accepting that J.I.D. bullshit because he did not make that album in order to sing. He may have sung in it, it may have been... And that's fine. That is what it is. Most of it is rapping. I'm sure you did the statistics on that front. Okay. This, however, is an album where he put himself on that pedestal. And I am going to rightfully shit on him for that being on that pedestal. His singing sucks on this album. Okay. I will go as far as to say, pertaining to this album, he is a, at minimum, a net... What's the what's the, what's like a net zero? Like it, it he don't provide apart from maybe like one song. It may have been the um officially blind uh, track you were talking Lost about, Vision, yeah. or the one before that. They both had Diane Gordon on it. Um, shout out to her. Um, and yeah, that was like one of, one of the only tracks I felt that he felt like it felt like a net positive having him on that album. Everything else, I was vibing with the production, like you said, <laughs> the reason why I made that face is because I was going to make that point, but you caught me on it, and that's very funny how you just read my mind like that, I was going to make that point, it's like, I'm seeing a lot of other people's names on here, and uh, and that's fine, I'm 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 going to push, I'm going I'm to take that, I'm I'm going to leave that alone, because you are right, you can curate and have people help you out on things, that is fine, okay, I'm going to accept that. But I'm just saying, when it comes to his performance on it, it's at best a net zero and at worst a net huge negative, depending on the track. Pretty made me want to rip my ears off. Why is he sounding like he... Ben, turn your mic on for this. I want your reaction. It's on, yeah. Why does it sound like he's nutting through a vocoder? Nutting through a vocoder. That's an interesting... Why does it sound like he's nutting through a vocoder? You have to ask Yodi that one. He sounds like he's orgasming, orgasming in my ear. Is that what you sound weird. like when you orgasm? And he, has this, and he has this filter on it and it's freaking me out. Pretty is... Oh my gosh, it really put me... That put me through paces, I swear. I was so close to turn off the album at that point. I was like, bro, 
you, you can't have an album number one and have that track on it. It's it's impossible. I don't know how you did it. How can you, how can you go past that track, bro? How I love that song? It's a beautiful song. <laughs> that that shit's cheeks. <laughs> That's fair, man. If you don't like it, you don't like it. It's che- is it cheeks? No, is love, it in your opinion cheeks? I love that song. It's pretty cheeks. It's fun. It's just a fun little. Oh, vibe. Fuck off. It's a fun fuck little off. Vibe. Fuck off. Fuck off. You feel like I you feel like I'm being disingenuous. Like I like this album. <laughs> you, you can't like that, bro. We've talked about it. We've talked about our oh, men doing sex bars on out on shit and oh. I'll just, tell you what. The why intro. Why does he sound like he's nutting through a filter? The intro it's is so lame, dying. man. The intro is mad lame. Come, come, bust this pussy. That's a Drake intro. Come, come exactly. bust this pussy. Exactly, it's a drinking trope. Bro, it, I, honestly, that song felt like it should have been on the idol. It should have been on the idol. Because re- when he said that, it exactly, it reminded me exact. Uh, I think The Weeknd literally said that in a clip. It, oh, it yeah. went viral yeah. briefly because it was so, it it was was so funny show. how he acted it out. And he was just like, oh, he's just like, bust that pussy wide open. I'm just like, oh, just, oh my gosh, that, oh, 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 that song, that song really jars me. Oh my gosh, I, I hope I never hear that song ever again. But throughout all that, throughout all that, I appreciate the features. Um, Justine Sky, um, aforementioned, I think, I think it's Diane Gordon. I think I've said, I yeah. think I've had her name right. You're right. Think, yeah, it's Diane, Diana Gordon. Diana right? Gordon, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fun fact, um, done a ton of shit with Beyonce. Like I saw, I just saw her name like constantly credited on Lemonade. I was just like, oh shit, fair enough. Um, uh, Aunt Clemens, um, and uh, there was two. There was two dudes at the end that I wasn't rating. I think it was like Nick Hakeem and someone else. I forget on one track near the end. Um, either way, uh, Daniel I wasn't Caesar too into was on that. the final track, so that's obviously a lead. Uh, who was it? Daniel Caesar. Yeah, yeah, mm, no, yeah. Wasn't into that too much, um, but yeah, Tizo touchdown yeah. Um, near near to the top of the album. I like that. That was kind of cool. Teaser. Good features. Um, yeah, Tizo touchdown on that one. Um, that was pretty cool. So yeah, you know, features were solid. The production overall was pretty solid. There was a couple of tracks I wasn't really into in terms of just sound, but you know, like he's mentioned, the Pink Floyd sounding shit sounded really good, and I was really into that, right? Um, you know, if you... <laughs> it's, a, it's a proven formula, because Pink Floyd fuck, is fucking lit, but um, you know, it's cool. I just... I, I just... You know, I, and I'm not this guy. I'm not this guy where, you know, I see someone trying something completely left field for them and, you know, I'm going to completely shit on it because, to be honest, uh, we nobody saw Tim Pippa Butterfly come in, um, especially if you're in 2012, right? It, it, imagine if you were listening to Good Kid Man City and you were bumping that and you, sa- and you said to someone in 2012, oh, wait, till f- wait in three years' time, he's going to drop, like, a fucking, fucking acid jazz album <laughs> and we're just going to be like... Fuck off! You know what I mean? It's it's fine. It's fine. I'm fine with artists trying new shit. Like I bet Ice T's body count work is fucking fire. I don't listen to metal like that, but I bet it's fucking it is fire. I'm 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 of the generation, and Ben's firmly in this generation as well. I am of the generation that played Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Two and enjoyed the fuck out of Public Enemy and Anthrax. Uh, doing that track, I forget. What, I forget which one it was. Uh, was it Fight the Power or uh, the other one? I forget. But yeah, Public Enemy and Anthrax together. Okay, that shit slaps. Vibe. I'm here for it. Yeah. Here for it. All right, it's fine. Um, I just, I just, I, I just don't see it when it comes to having. If if the person whose name is on this album isn't providing, um, 
isn't providing anything, then what's the point? You know what I mean? It's, it just comes to a point where I'm just like, I'd love to hear this album just with someone else. <laughs> it's just, and it's no, it's not even, sh- it's not even, you know, that's not even with a. Uh, his bullshit opinions and what he said over the years that pissed me off aside, all of that aside, I just feel like I would have anybody else on this album apart from him and it might, it might be better. Um, that's, that's just how I see it. If, if, if the, if the main artist ain't, ain't, ain't pulling the weight, then kind of what's the point? You know what I'm saying? So yeah, that's fair. That's <sighs> all right. That's fun. That was interesting. Feel free to vote, guys. Is Ben's white person card revoked for saying this is one of the best psych rock albums? Gonna have to to, (laughs) a jury of your peers. Oh, I see where you're going with that one. I see a jury of your peers. I see the vision. I see the vision. Psych rock, sweaty white psych rock fans, get in touch. I may have lost my psych Uh, rock card. Gosh, holy shit! I better get rid of Disraeli gears. Better get rid of my Disraeli Mm -hmm. gears vinyl. Oh no. Mm, that, yeah, exactly. I don't know what the fuck that is. Yeah, okay, yeah no, exactly. That's why I've still got my card. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, anyway, moving on to my number one, and uh, I will say this, guys, before I begin, this is a testament to everything. Our, our, you know, obviously the main ethos of this show is, you know, just infotainment right we're here to you know tell a story about nice most of the time and you know listen to their music and actually and actually consume work that not a lot of people do um you know everyone listens to the jay-z albums everybody listens to the kendrick albums but not everybody listens to the J live albums for example not everybody listens to the uh <sighs> trying to think of not so we've done <laughs> trying to listen to a black twang album right it's, it, it is what it is, right? But and also another part of the reason why we do this in some fashion is to also just make that case that discovery is possible in this day and age. Discovery has never been easier, I would say. It's never been easier, it, apart from this day and age, okay? You, don't, you guys don't have to listen to what's on the charts. You can find stuff that you like, and I guarantee you'll find more of that if you did your digging and you just did it in a certain way. Um, it would work for you. Trust me. If you, if and if you, and if you are energized enough to do that, it, has, it requires some motivation, of course. But if you don't have the motivation, that's fine. But if you do have the motivation, there are places you can go. So, with that said, my number one is an album of an artist I didn't even hear of until like April. Never heard of them until then. Okay, and they're my number one. Do with that information what you will. Okay, there are plenty of albums on this top 25 that I have of artists that you've a heard of or uh, and and I like and I've put on my album list before and that's fine. But this one was so fucking good. First spin. Oh my gosh, blew my mind. Okay, and then I saw them live and then it just elevated it for me. And then I listened to it again. I was like, Jesus Christ, this is so good. Okay, so your your favorite artist of the year might come out of fucking nowhere and you've never heard of them. That's all I'm saying. That's the preface for this. <clears throat> so, with that said, my number one is Miss Addie Oasis uh, with Lotus Glow. Um, so, Addie Oasis is a mainly a bass player, singer-songwriter, of course. Um, a French-Caribbean, as it says in her bio. I find that a bit weird. Imagine just like having, I don't know, just like... <laughs> <laughs> like Spanish North American, it doesn't really make sense. You know, like the Caribbean's a 
a, you know, a subset of places like where in the Caribbean, but I digress, right? Um, currently resides in Brooklyn and uh, has recently had a baby, so big ups to her. Um, when she actually performed, when I saw her across the tracks in May, uh, she was like, I think, like five months pregnant or something, and she looked fucking stunning. Um, anyway. So, yeah, literally, I was trying to think, right, have I had a number one from an artist I've never heard of when the year began? Um, the only one I could possibly think of was maybe Ocean Wisdom in 2018 when uh, uh, for Wizville. Um, I, I don't know specifically, I don't remember that far, um, but that may be the case. Either way, regardless if that is the case or not, consider it at minimum a rarity or maximum a near impossibility uh, to have someone completely fresh to me to be at the top of my album list. Just understand the, the the gravity of that, right? Since this is number one, this is how I discovered the Oasis, right? I've already kind of said it already, but anyway. Past two years, um, I've been going across the tracks. Um, self-proclaimed number one jazz, funk, soul festival. It's my favourite. Uh, um, I'm going next year as well. Um, it's It's been absolutely amazing to go to Brockwell Park in Brixton and uh, just enjoy what they have there. The music is always fire. Um, and I get some good pictures as well. Um, I've had an amazing time both years. I've went, uh, but for the story, there's one moment that I'll note out of the experience I've had. Upon seeing the lineup this year's edition, I saw Addy Oasis and clocked around Lotus Glow in March. So I thought, sure, why not? Because that's how you discover guys, okay? And I would say the rest is history, but whilst I really loved the spinning the album, I circled her for the festival. Um, if you go on my uh, Fifth Element Medium, which is obviously always in the full description of every episode, um, and go on the album list for this, you can see photos of as well, if you want to see photos of her. Um, because if you want to see a month's pregnant bass player figuratively step on my neck, um, if that's your bag, go for it. Um, now, the rest is history, and it's my favourite album. This is the rare album where the highs are in, in space, right? Just get it, got it multiply 460 those tracks in particular are just like stratospheric um uh and i i know there's more there's i know there's further than stratosphere um like mesosphere and stuff like that but i forget the layers so it's in space okay um and the baseline pun intended of course is freaking superb music um funk elements of this album filthy her vocals so high so expressive um, and also just something about women playing bass, like her and Laura Lee, I've seen them both live and it just, I don't know, does something to me. Anyway, um, <laughs> she, she weaves, um, you know, just sexy bass lines with just as sexy lyrics, like Multiply, for example. The features, while great, shout out to Jamila Woods, Aaron Taylor, one of my favourite R&B artists going around now, Aaron Taylor, um, no relation. <clears throat> They're merely footnotes. Um, they're really just footnotes. They're just so far in the background for me. I'm just like, when is Addie coming on? <laughs> and she just and she just towers over everything. She just stands so tall on this album. Um, she takes up so much airspace. It's frankly impressive of how much she impress how much of an impression she left on me um, over this year. Um, I can't get enough of how slow and indulgent this body of work is, and I mean, put simply, it was love at first listen. If I if I say anything, that's that's in the ta- that's the tagline. It was literally love at first listen. Yeah, it's a beautiful album. It it really is. I didn't know what to expect again. Um, but yeah, man, incredible record. There was some like really nice 
Uh, I'm trying to get the track list up here if I can. Um, oh, no, we don't need the. In there is an instrumental. Did you listen? Have you listened to the instrumental album? I'm very curious about that to see how that sounds. Um, yeah, it's it's great. Yeah, <laughs> it's also good. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah man, the the, the, the musicianship's top tier. You know, like I say. Yeah, dump all the guns. I think was the one that really stood out to me. That track, I really yeah. really enjoyed yeah. that track. Um, and it kind of came unexpected, like. You know, when I first listened to this record, I just kind of had it on the background. I wasn't really interacting with it too much. Uh, I put it on after the Brandy Younger album, which I just played over and over and over again. And to be fair, I played this, I reckon, for a good four hours straight. I just had it on while I was doing other things. But every single time Dump All The Guns came onto my, you know, came up, I, I interacted with it immediately and listened to it. The message was incredible. The emotion was incredible. And, you know, I think that that was part of the record like there's a lot of emotion on here brilliant brilliant singing it's just it's a really fucking good record it honestly is and um yeah no nah, man i haven't got heaps to say about it except that i enjoyed it immensely uh again i've never listened to her before um and it hit me hard it hit me hard on first listen i didn't know what to expect but bro it's it's very 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 good record i need to i want to listen to it more i feel like i'm not you know with these kind of albums i just feel like i want to listen to it more and get a better understanding of the singing and the lyrics and just yeah but yeah man i i enjoyed it immensely uh and the bass like i didn't know she was a bass player um bro some fucking funk on here like holy shit some good bass licks like really 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 fucking solid like yeah man incredible yeah, and just imagine hearing that live, and she's just like stepping so tall doing it. It's just like, oh my, gosh. Bro. oh my gosh, bro. I could totally see why oh. it would be intoxicating to see that live and just be like, oh shit, Bruv. and just get like dragged Drunk. into it, you know? Drunk. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Fucking drug geezer, fucking crazy, up. bro. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I need to, I need to spend an older work. I haven't done that yet because um, I've just been spinning so many albums this year. But um, at some point, I just, need, I want to get into uh, uh, older stuff because she has been going for a few years now. I think like since 2017, officially album wise or project wise. Um, so yeah, I just want to see what her older stuff is like um because uh she is independent by the way she is an independent artist and obviously we big up independent artists we always always um uh always and forever but um yeah it's just uh yeah i i i i'm i'm just i'm just waiting for the day um <laughs> her her and Hempress sativa like they're com i'm i'm sh i'm pretty sure they are both coming to the uk at some point next year Whoa. and i'm just i'm just waiting for those days i'm literally just waiting for those two announcements that's all i need everything else i'm good for i've got cross the track sorted i'm seeing loyal Kana and nas and any and saint and Ezra collective all points east uh i'm seeing erica bardu and eve cross the tracks what um for example i didn't know yeah. that Banger, right? Fuck you. So good. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, they, they recently updated the lineup. No. It's crazy. Um, yeah, it's not fair. When is it? I'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come back. Yeah, sure. Uh, I think it's like late May 28th or Ugh, something like that. Gosh. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, man. Just... just uh, I, I still don't know why you picked February. Anyway, um, <laughs> we'll never know uh, the 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 mindset towards that. But yeah, uh, that I'm seeing the Kuinaru. I've seen... I've, uh, I've just literally bought a ticket for that. Um, but yeah, the... Just them last two. I want to see Hempress Sativa again, especially with Chaka coming out um, this year, which I put number four on my list, by the way. Um, and 
and also just Addie again. I need to see her again. I, I just it has to happen. It just needs to happen. Like she was great in obviously the festival setting, but just to have her own show, I want to see what that's like. I need her to figurative, figuratively step on my neck again. <laughs> it needs to happen. I need to be figuratively choked out. Charlie, give me on I'm the ground. Saying that I'm I'm going to be passed out, blue in the face when that show ends. Trust me on that, because. Jesus Christ, she just holds so much command. Stage, her stage presence is just crazy. I don't, I don't know what it is. Just something about, something about bass players, man. Yeah. Just something about them. Something about them. But anyway, um, how long have we been cooking? I haven't. Hour and oh, eleven. Gosh. Okay, now hour and ten. Hour bad. and ten. All right, cool. We got there. Oh, that was pretty. That was pretty good. I thought we'd. I thought we'd go on pretty longer, but uh, <sighs> yeah, guys, those are our, those are our top two albums. Um, Eclectic as always, um, and you know, proof that we're you know not just hip hop heads. We are into other stuff. And um, I was actually having you know, as I guess kind of light, and I was just having conversations with um, with people over the past uh, couple of days about you know the list I've dropped, and um, you know, I've there, there's I feel so much you know variety in there, and this uh, you know uh, I the reason why I do those completely just for fun and i mean <laughs> people like writing fifteen thousand words for fun <laughs> yeah okay but um yeah you know i do it for i do it because i enjoy it and i and i enjoy writing about works that i actually enjoy um i'm not a reviewer by any means i couldn't i, I don't if i don't want to listen to someone i don't listen to it you know what i mean and to, to i guess be a reviewer you have to listen to everything right and just like whatever comes to you um but um, and whatever you know serves as a good opportunity for you to you know pitch it and go like, hey, I've listened to this, can I review it? Um, but that's just not my bag. Um, I know what I like, and I've been literally talking to someone beforehand, just like they were asking me how, how have you you know gained gained this like you know net? And I'm just like, you know, just I did the hard work, you know, five, six, seven years ago. Um, you know, I started off with hip hop, and now it's just branched out to a whole lot of things. Like I'm, I'm fairly plugged into R&B these days. Um, there are plenty that I don't listen to, plenty of R&B that I don't listen to, um, but there's a ton that I do listen to. Jazz, of course, especially UK jazz. There's a lot of ja- UK jazz albums that I listen to. I feel pretty plugged in there. Um, and obviously hip-hop, of course, you know. There, there's there's obviously places where I just can't be asked um, for obvious reasons and also because, you know, people are going to talk about them regardless if I'm talking about it, so what's the point? um and goes back to the motivation thing and uh and also as you guys and I'll, I'll keep saying this also to some blue in the face there are other artists out there and you know they don't get gas they they rarely get it and um you know i like to i like experiencing artists that are you know on the come up and i like being that person to just go like yo you see this shit this shit heat and that's particularly why I dropped the EPs at you today, and that's why I enjoy the, doing the EP list probably more than the songs and albums, to be honest. Like, albums is just like, you know, just like a personal challenge for me to actually rank them and to actually, you know, ask myself, which what are my favourite albums this year, right? Because I could have easily just done like a list of fifty, or I could have done a B dot and just did a notes page of just ten of the of the of the most milk toast fucking that, taste no, of all time. That was not milk could have just done it that. It was just weird. <sighs> okay, well, however you want to word it, it's just terrible. Regardless, um, I could have easily just done that, but instead I was just like, you know what? Let me listen to like fucking ninety albums, pretty much, and just try and figure out twenty five. 
Um, and But the EP list, personally, is always fascinating to me because EPs, they're not, they're not songs, which are obviously edible and can be, you know, submitted to radio and submitted to other things, etc., etc. Songs are very marketable. Um, albums, obviously, very marketable um, because they're albums, right? They're bodies of work and people put marketing money behind that kind of stuff, regardless of who they are. Um, EPs, however, you know, some people treat them as just a collection of songs, but some people also treat them as like, you know, here's me. Here, here I am. I'm an artist. Here's what I can do. And, you know, I, I enjoy... I enjoy looking at EPs a lot because nobody, I don't, I don't know any, do, do publications even do EP lists? I, I know Fantano does EP list, which is good, I, you know, and I saw his EP list and it was very eclectic and there was, I think the only one we had a overlap on was uh, near archives. Um, but yeah, apart from that, it was pretty much none. And that's cool because there are a ton of EPs out there and they never get love. Um, so I love... I love gassing up EPs and the eyes that do those because most of the time they're just on the come up. They're just, you know, trying to get their feet wet and, um, you know, and just putting out and putting out work and showing what they can do, um, you know, before they actually create a body of work that they feel is proper. Um, so, yeah, man, I just enjoy this time of year, to be honest, um, to uh, to also write, I, I rarely, I don't think I write 15k words uh, a month apart from this month anymore. Um, I'd love to, but uh, you know, life. But um, yeah, it's, it's it's always an enjoyable time of year to talk about you know works such as these that we talked about this episode. And um, uh, yeah, I've run out of steam. So <laughs> it's the most wonderful time of the year. This is what Charlie's trying to tell you guys. It's the exactly. Most Shout out to whoever did that time. lyric of the year who knows anymore Bing Crosby oh, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> potentially potentially not a Christmas music fan Bing fucking Crosby shout to Jason Statham anyway um, <laughs> <laughs> alright we shall leave it there uh, if you have anything Ben any flight like note uh, no not really do you have anything I just talked about EPs for like five minutes I think I'm alright yeah <laughs> All right, we can dip, bro. I had a, you know what? I had a good Christmas this year. I had a, one of the best Christmases I've had as an adult. So yeah, man, that's that's good, man. Happy normally boy. I come in here every year and I'm like, ugh, I hate Christmas, ugh. But yeah, no, it was good this year. So fuck yeah. Hope you guys are having a good that's Christmas. Good, man. Oh, and you know what? Yes, exactly. Shout out to the people who DM me and like sent me their Spotify Wrapped about DITD. That was fucking sick. Yes. There was a few people who was, we were their number one and like. You know, people messaging yeah. me like oh, I do. I listen to you every. I think week. it was four people, by the way, that had us number one. That's fucking awesome, man. That's that's sick. Like we're not we're not talking into the void. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was um I was randomly I just randomly looked at like um the wrapped for for our thing and uh, I did it on my laptop, so that's why I didn't send it. But um yeah, I was just looking at it right quick, and it was like I think it was like sixty five in the top ten. I think like nine in the top five and four in top in number one spot. That's so huge, man. For those for those for those four people, big ups to yourselves. Um and for those nine and sixty five as well, um especially. So that's oh yeah, our most popular episode was Capital Steez, by the way. Interesting. Um, so yeah, that was a great yeah. app actually on, on Spotify. On Spotify, of course. But wow. you know, it's green assault. But that doesn't shock me, man. That was a great fucking app. Yeah, yeah, no, it was a really fascinating episode. Um, really fascinating, just to obviously. I I never listened to his music, you know, past what he did with Joey. Yeah. Um. Before then, so yeah, that was a very interesting experience for me, especially. Um, and just the, <laughs> God, man, we we we, uh, we were talking about No Name last week. Um. Obviously, like uh, by the Metacritic stuff, and 
I feel like Capital Steez was like could have been just like no name level of just like not giving a fuck. Yeah, he really didn't know. Uh, in his lyrics and yeah, that, that's dearly missed. That's dearly dearly missed. Yeah. Um, also, speaking about dearly missed, actually, random just random just like a hail up, but um, Ben does Ben does weed. I do weed. I do weed. Right, and uh, we've we've talked about that before. Um, I literally talked. <laughs> I just said that last week. I'm just gonna get blunts and get lit. But um, during the holiday break, uh, me and my boy D, um, he our dealer, uh, Kirk passed. Um, so I wanted to give just love to Kirk. Um, really cool dude. Um, as most as most dealers are, to be fair. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just really it was just really unfortunate. Um, I, I lit, he's, his health has deteriorated over the past year, admittedly. Um, and it was just a kind, kind of just concerning of just whenever I asked about him, my boy would just go like, Oh yeah, this happened to him. And I'm just like, excuse me. <laughs> and, and like, we call up and nothing would, and he wouldn't pick up. And then he hits back like the next day and he was like, sorry, I was in A and E. And I'm just like, like, fucking hell. Like he's going through it. Um, and yeah, he'd, uh, my boy's uh, cousin hit him up yet, uh, the other yesterday and just said he passed. And I'm just like, oh, fuck. Um, you know, my boy D knew him for practically a decade. He, you know, he he uh, he hooked up his his two brothers who were like 10 years older than him. Um, and then he started hooking us up when we got to that age. So, um, yeah. So, shout um, RP to Kirk. Um, absolute G. Um, real cool dude. And um, yeah, next time, next time me and D spark up, it'll be it'll be in honor of him for sure. And uh, hopefully, you guys do the same if you partake in that kind of thing. Yeah, rest in peace, man. And uh, yeah, we shall leave it there, ladies and gentlemen. From the five VPN, it's been digging digits. Hope you've enjoyed the first episode of twenty twenty four. Hang on, let's get it. New banger alert. Oh, try to tell the fifth element. New banger alert. <laughs> New banger alert. <laughs> We have actually, like, we have actually literally the next, like, three months pretty much um, sorted, guys. So, yeah, we, we're locked in for, yeah, a good three months now. So, uh, you know, look, we got some good stuff coming. Um, very notable artists that we haven't covered yet. Um, and uh, long overdue for, for a couple of them, definitely. Um, but, yeah, it feels like the right time to do so. And especially to kick off the year, we're doing a couple of bangers. A couple of bangers just to get the year started. Um, for sure, and I'm hella excited to get into that. So, yeah, with that said, I've been Charlie Taylor for filming. I've been Ben Carter here, Bottom Numbers. We hope you all have a happy new year and uh, blessings for the new year and for 2024 and whatever's ahead. We shall always obviously try and do the same on that front. But until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. All right, peace. Digging in Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show is a piece of media goes by bonus points. Thanks to Chill Hop Music for the ability to use. Socials for the filament, hip hop by numbers, bonus points, and chill music will be in the full show notes as well as my top 10 albums of the year. If I wrote it, please go give it a spin. This has been a 5 production. Thanks for spending time with us. We shall see you next time on Digging in the Digits.